the alleyoops that keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a fun one. We're going to be talking about what we've learned so far through seven days of training camp practice. And there's been a lot, of course, that we've learned. We've seen players step up. Uh, we've seen guys, you know, take a stranglehold of certain positions. We've seen other guys start to develop all the while seeing how this team is going to be looking and constituted because the coaches have been giving some things away on how they've been using reps and where they've been playing players in certain situations. Also, uh, there is one of those things where we've had talks about other guys playing positions. How much of that is them actually, you know, potentially getting into a starting role? And how much is that that the 49ers coaching staff just wants to look at them against the other team's ones? I think we're going to get into that. And what is up, everyone? How's it going, Donald? Uh, how's it going, uh, Kali? And how's it going, Mark? Welcome to chat. And Mark comes through with a question already. And because this is q and I'm going to get into it right away. Even though I do have some comments and things to get into, I'm going to go ahead and start with that. Uh, Mark says, how much playing time is Trey going to get in the preseason? I think it's going to be pretty limited. The conversations that you know Kyle has had with the media about you know all the preseason games in like 13 days, uh, I I just don't think that in those preseason games he's going to get that much playing time. I think it's going to be very limited. Uh, I think he will get some reps. They'll want him to feel comfortable. But I don't know how much of the first team they're going to play. So you don't really want Trey in there with that second offensive line. He'll probably get a couple of the starters that'll play, of course. Uh, if Spencer Burford is really going to be the right guard, which we'll get into in a little bit, then he's probably going to get a lot of snaps and a lot of run. They're going to want to see how he looks. Uh, but I don't expect Mike McGlinchey to play very much. I don't expect Trey Williams to play very much. So your, your inside guys, your interior offensive line could be the starting guys. But then you're talking about Jalen Moore at right tackle, Colt McKivitz at left tackle. How much do you want Trey playing behind them during the preseason? I don't think it's going to be that much. I don't expect to see Elijah Mitchell very much or Kyle Juszczyk or George Kittle. So I think there's not going to be that many opportunities for Trey to be out there. I think we're going to see an abundance of snaps from Nate Sudfeld. And, and I think that's what we're going to kind of see with that quarterback position. Um, I'm sure we'll see some Brock Purdy as well, but I don't know how much Trey we're going to get. Maybe we'll get one of these games where we get a quarter out of him, but I'd be surprised after hearing what Kyle had to say about the preseason. I think it's more likely we see, you know, all those reps come in the Minnesota joint practices. I think that's more realistic time that he's going to be getting his snaps and what's up warren uh warren says we made it fellas we have football in an hour that's exactly right that's why i'm on here uh trying to get it in uh, ahead of the the you know the hall of fame game uh, so uh getting this live stream going and we're gonna have a fun conversation as we work and build towards preseason starting in the nfl i don't know how many people watch preseason games i'm sure i'll glance at it a little bit if this was the 49ers i'd watch the whole thing from beginning to end but the fact that it's not, I'll probably just take a look here and there and then move on because usually the Hall of Fame game is very badly played. Not very good execution. It's a little early uh, for these guys to be able to execute at a high level. It's usually kind of messy. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it gets. Kali uh, says, Ant, with the with the this injury to Jordan Matthews, who's your favorite to win the tight end too? 
been fortunate that the Jordan Matthews injury happened. I actually watched that injury happen. It was right in front of me. And what's up, 49 Faithful Forever? And Jordan Matthews was working on one of the one-on-ones. It was the first day of pads. And I've seen that they said it was a non-contact drill, but really there was a little bit of contact with the defensive player ahead of him. They were battling for a position and he was trying to throw the defensive player away and then break back outside. And when he did, you could see him right away start favoring the knee. He grabbed the knee. Uh, he was walking gingerly. He worked out with trainers a little bit behind. And then they went to the other side for another session. It looked like he was about to get involved in that. And then next thing you know, he's with a trainer walking off the field. It's too bad. Uh, but when it comes to this tight end position, this is one of the reasons the 49ers went out there and got depth at the position. And I think that the tight end two is going to be Tyler Croft. Croft has been taking the tight end two reps Early in training camp, the first few days, it was Ross Dwelly. Ross Dwelly was getting those reps, getting those snaps. And over the last couple of days since we got into pads, it has been Tyler Croft. Uh, George Kittle did not practice yesterday. Tyler Croft took tight end one reps. So Croft is, is firmly in that tight end two spot right now. Charlie Warner's been trying to get back at some point. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but without Charlie Warner uh, potentially being on this, you know, opening day roster with him starting on pup you're looking at tyler croft at tight end two and then at tight end three right now i think it's ross dwelly i think troy fumagalli is pushing for that position uh, they've been using him in a, a bunch of different manners from blocking to receiving he, he's a he's a very big physical guy so i could see him maybe working in but right now i would think uh, that it's going to be croft and dwelly unless warner gets back and at that time if warner gets back then i think you would see him beat out dwelly but dwelly's had some good snaps once again receiving the question marks are still about the blocking and what's up 49ers media i hope you're having a good day uh dog says all right a bit off topic but valid question should the team allow reporters who openly antagonize and blatantly disrespect players to be allowed around the team? Uh, that's a good conversation, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that the players have let their thought process or, you know, on that subject, uh, you know, I'm sure they've told them the brass. I'm sure they've told them a lot about, you know, how things are going with the reporters, you know, and uh, there are certain reporters that definitely like to get under the skin of players or, Probably for the most part, it's not so much about getting under the skin, but just don't care about it at all. It's all about, you know, what they're doing with the topics at hand. Um, I don't know if they should be allowed there. That's not for me to decide. That's definitely for uh, the players and the front office to decide. But I think that they can make it a little bit more difficult on those reporters if they don't want to work with them. You know, don't give them exclusives. Start giving exclusives and start having conversations with you know, reporters that are doing it the right way, guys that are covering the team, but not being, you know, hypercritical or are coming outlandish things for that are just for clicks, but more of, you know, actual uh, fact-based reporting. If you started rewarding, you know, different creators, uh, content creators like that, or reporters, beat writers that are writing those type of things, that might go a long way to deter someone from wanting to do it the other way. But right now, that negative uh, aspect of media, 49ers media, it's been around since... Uh, Bill Walsh was there, uh, but right now that's a hot topic. That's going strong. So until it's not, until people decide that they want to go a different route, it right now it pays bills. So I don't think it's going anywhere until you see a change from a bunch of different avenues, including 49er fans. But I think there's always going to be a place for it because some people do like that aspect of you know of media, um, and and that's okay. I mean, if people like it, that's fine. I mean, you, everyone has a different avenue at which they can look at. 
Um, so if that's something that people like, then that's something that they like. And I did see a question come through, and I'm going to go grab it real quick uh, because I want to make sure that I get it. Um, was It was about Tanner Hudson. I think it was Jay Ellie. Yeah, Jay Ellie says, how's Tanner Hudson looking? I did start to see people talking about Tanner Hudson a little bit more. Now, he's had a couple of good days recently. Those good days involve receiving. Now, Tanner Hudson was not happy with uh, Leon O'Neal Jr. They had a little bit of a dust up in the back of the end zone. O'Neal was still getting physical with Hudson after the catch in the end zone, uh, even, even when they didn't have pads on, and he didn't really like that. But Hudson has had some good moments. I think there's you know a moment here, a moment there, where he makes a really good play in the passing game. As far as blocking, he has looked average and decent at times. Um, at first in training camp, he was not on the radar at all. It seemed like everyone else was well ahead of him. And then all of a sudden, he started to come out recently and started making some more plays. So I think he's in the mix, but I still have him behind a Fumagalli because I see Fumagalli doing so much more in the blocking game. I see him you know, in the backfield. I do think they like Tanner Hudson. They're familiar with him. He's going to have an opportunity, uh, but it all comes down to Warner. If Warner's back, then I don't, I don't think this thing is going to be hard to figure out. It's going to be Hudson or Fumagalli on the practice squad. Uh, I don't think they could get Ross Dwelly there. If they could, that would probably be the guy they go with. But I think Tyler uh, Croft is going to be tied in too. So um, there's not a lot of spots that are going to be going to be there. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. Um, and I'm going through these as well. Uh, Tosio says, you're going to do a watch party for the first game of the season. You know, I haven't really talked about that yet. Um, I know it had been brought up, you know, a conversation about doing a watch party or something. I haven't got into that yet. So if something comes up, I'll definitely let you know, uh, right now, you know, I've been so busy with training camp and all the news and everything like that. I haven't really got into some of the things that I need to get ahead on. Uh, it's, there's been a lot of moving parts, uh, but I'm going to get to that. That's something I'm definitely working on. I'm trying to put together the full out schedule for the season, uh, including recording schedules and everything that we're going to be doing. So I'll make sure to update you in the coming days on what's going to happen during the season and what the schedule is going to look like uh, throughout the channel, because there's a lot of things going on and it's exciting times, but yeah, those are going to, those are going to be fun times. And uh, watching that first game is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, whether it's, you know, even, even the preseason is going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited about watching it's a little bit different than last year though, uh, to be honest with you, because last year was the first Trey Lance preseason game. So, uh, that, that, that was a little bit more exciting than, uh, this year, even though it's going to be his first preseason game as a starter, it's a little bit different because last year was just about getting eyes on Trey Lance. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Donald says, I feel bad for all the players injured. Hope for a mostly healthy team. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you never want to see these injuries, especially for guys that are really working hard and guys that are such good, you know, good guys. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the team and I feel bad for anyone that's been injured. So we got Warren saying, how is Hufanga looking at safety? Are we going to regret letting Tart walk? We're not going to regret letting Tart walk uh, as long as Hufanga continues the development. I did see some reports today where people were talking about Tarverius Ward or Tarverius Moore, I'm sorry, getting first team reps. I think that is more so letting him spin. He's looked good as well. But that safety room from top to bottom looks pretty good. Uh, Taunu Hufanga is a different player than we saw last year. He continues to get better and better. I'm excited about Hufanga. I've been very excited about him. And, you know, and uh, Coach Phil's been going with me, my dad, and he was talking about the fact that it looks like the game is slowed down for Ufonga, which means he has an understanding of where he's supposed to be, where he fits in this defense, and then how he works with everyone else. Also, he's been way more vocal 
And I think that's going to go a long ways because that position has to be vocal. It has to help put other players into the right spots in the secondary. And Ufonga has definitely developed in that area. So I think Ufonga right now is the number one, but they're giving Tarverius more an opportunity to go out there and get it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and then uh, let's see. Uh, Jay Ellie says Hall of Fame game. Who's playing again? I think the Raiders are playing, uh, and, and Kali took care of it. Raiders and Jags. I, I knew the Raiders were playing because I do have friends. When you live in Northern California, you're going to have friends that are Raider fans, and they've been posting all day that the Raiders were playing. Other than that, I did not know. Uh, in fact, uh, John Chapman messaged me today. We were supposed to be doing our show over on Patreon today, but he was like, hey, the Hall of Fame game's on, so we went ahead and moved it. Uh, so that'll be coming up. If you're on John Chapman's Patreon, that'll be coming later in the week. We're, we're going to get to that. But yeah, the, the Hall of Fame game was up, and we wanted to give everyone the opportunity. They wanted to catch live football. We know a lot of people want to see it, so we got into that. Uh, Uncle Rob says, anything on juice? Um, I think when it comes to juice, hopefully there's no injury news or anything. I haven't seen anything. But Kyle Juszczyk's look like Kyle Juszczyk at training camp. He's been doing everything that... You know, you expect Kyle Juszczyk to do blocking, catching the football, uh, everything like that. So hopefully there's no negative reports about that. I've been waiting, you know, to, to hear if there's anything going on with all these guys because it's been a little bit harder to get injury information this year than it ever has been coming from the 49ers. I think a lot of that has to do with Kyle Shanahan doing press conferences before practice, uh, more of a preview style than a post game. So you're not really getting those answers. So if an injury happens in practice, the media doesn't have the opportunity to ask them about a certain player and he doesn't give those updates. So it's been a little bit more difficult to get that information, but it's like Jordan Matthews. I mean, I saw him get hurt and then there was no word until yesterday when Ken Inman reported that he had a torn in ACL and he was going to be out for the year. A tough blow to Jordan Matthews, one of the really good guys in the NFL and it's too bad because he was looking really good. And I think he had an opportunity to push for the three spot or at least make the practice squad and help this team if there was an injury down the road. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I feel bad for him. Hopefully this isn't the end of his career, but it certainly could be the end of his career. Uh, 49 hours Faithful Forever says, think Tarveris Moore is an X factor on defense with his speed. The speed gives him the potential to have a lot of range to cover the deep third. That's for sure. Uh, he can play over the top and do a lot of those things. Adding, you know, more to the secondary is, is very nice. I know they they missed him last year. He would have been a welcomed uh, addition to that, you know, three-headed monster that was was Tart, uh, Ward, and and more. And now we're going to get into a little different look, and that's what uh, Kali is saying. Ant, could we see some three safety sets this season? I think we're going to. Uh, I've seen them fool around with it just a tad. They haven't done it a lot. But if you go back to 2019... That was something that Robert Sala did in the secondary, and you saw that come to fruition a little bit in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, where you had Tart walk into the box, and then you had Moore and Ward playing you know, over the top a little bit, and you had Moore making an interception in that game. So I think you're going to get some opportunities for three safety looks. Uh, they have a lot of versatility with this defensive back group the way it is, whether that's corner and safety. It's it's well put together. you know. So I, I think that they feel comfortable right now Everyone looks healthy in that secondary. They've been playing pretty well. They've been giving the 49ers receivers and tight ends a lot of work. So I, I do like it. I do like it a lot, what we're seeing so far. And I like the fact that more starting to work back in there because I did believe this was a real uh, position battle coming into camp. Tarverius more versus uh, Talano Ufonga. Now, Ufonga easily um, had a stranglehold on this early. So let's see if more can go back and get some of that. Uh, but more is looking like the player we saw 
you know, in, in the end of 2019 and early 2020, as far as explosiveness, and he looks more comfortable than I seen even then. He just looks comfortable in his own skin and his position on this 49ers defense. And what's up, Lou? Welcome to chat. I hope you're having a good Thursday. Uh, that was a really good one. Yeah, Dakali says, Hofonga, Tavares, Ward, and J-Dub. It's a good group. Uh, JLE says, man, Ant, that's a hot hat you got on. How do I get one? I need to add this hat to the store. I haven't added it to the store. I ordered it and to, to check it out to see, you know, I always like to check, if, especially if it's a, a different style of hat, to make sure it's going to look good. Everything's going to be good with it. So I need to add it to the store. So I'll, JLE, I'll get that added to the store, and I'll let everyone know I have a couple of things that I'm going to add to our 40 yards cutback store. So uh, 40yardscutbackshop.com. We're going to be adding some new stuff here re or here pretty soon. Um, there's some stuff I've had ready to go, and I just I had to get samples in to make sure they're good. I never want to put anything out that I don't feel really comfortable in the quality because I want it to be about quality. I want everyone to always get you know what, what it's worth. Uh, Traffic says, good afternoon, TCC. Another day closer to the start of the season. Let's go. We're getting so close, guys. I mean, we're, you know, just what eight days away from preseason starting for the 49ers i'm very excited about it we're going to have a lot of fun with that uh they're going to be playing green bay at you know the tried and true team that we've been handling during the playoffs and now we get to handle them through preseason and uh it's going to be a fun one i don't know how much we're going to see of the you know the starters uh throughout preseason but we're going to have some cool players on the back end I know everyone wants to see how Trey Sermon looks. Everyone wants to see how Jordan Mason looks. And then we're going to get some Danny Gray, some Ray Ray McLeod. Those are going to be funny, fun guys on offense. And then there's all the questions around the offensive line. So there's going to be plenty of storylines for all of us who are way into the 49ers uh, to see a lot of players that maybe you haven't seen yet or see how they use them. Now, remember, there's not going to be a huge game planning to win these football games more about going out there and executing the base offense. And you're just looking to make sure players are doing the right things and using the right techniques and competing, playing and play out. That's what you're looking for as a coach. So you're not going to see a lot of game plans and, and a lot of, you're not really trying to win these games. You're go, you're competing and you want to win, uh, but that's not your, that's not the end all be all. It's more about evaluating players and getting a lot of good film on uh, a lot of good tape. So that way you can go ahead and develop these players and, and look at the things that they need to work on against a team that's not your guys. Uh, go out there and play against a different team. That's, that's a little bit about what it's worth. Uh, but also, the Minnesota week is going to be more important because of the joint practices. So, uh, 49ers Faithful Forever says, anything on Hawkins? Taylor Hawkins has had moments where he's looked really good. I've been excited about Hawkins. Some of his coverage uh, has been good. There's been moments he's got bodied a little bit. Some of the tight ends have gotten physical with them. Uh, but he's also been coming up, you know, cutting off routes. He's cut off slants, jumped in underneath made some plays so i've been i've been excited about hawkins development i've continued to think he looks a little bit better than leon o'neill i think he would be ahead of him on the depth chart but i don't know if either one of those guys have a real opportunity to make this team because they're four deep at the safety position as long as you're four deep at the safety position uh it, there's not a, a space for hawkins or leon o'neill jr so even though both of them have been developing and getting better it's still going to be really difficult. And then uh, 49ers Faithful says, or Alubi. Alubi is, is still developing. I think there are times when I, I like some of the things that he does in the run game and the run fits. I have question marks about him a little bit in the passing game where McCrary Ball uh, is a little bit different. Marcelino McCrary Ball is good in the passing game, but I have questions about him in run fits. So they're a little bit different from each other, and both players make plays here and there. 
Um, both have had interceptions and, and pass deflections. So I think both of them are competing, but that linebacker room is rough. One of those guys, both of those guys can make the practice squad. They're both tremendously athletic and a little bit undersized to be linebackers. But that's how the 49ers usually start with these guys and end up developing them. It wasn't that long ago that Aziz Alshire and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles were undersized former safeties that were developing into linebackers. Could Alubi, you know, and uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball be those guys next? It could be. It could be. Um, CJ says always comes through with the hats. Yeah, I love hats. It's it's my thing. Uh, I really do enjoy it. Uh, Mr. Corey says Hufanga might be an overachiever, third safety. A healthy Tarverius Moore might beat him out. A healthy Tarverius Moore is more athletic. Uh, he's got more physical gifts than Taono Hufanga, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a better player than Taono Hufanga because instincts are a real thing, you know. And Coach Phil talking about uh, talking to me about Hufanga seeing the game slow down. If the game slows down, you get there quicker. It's a it's a term that football coaches like to use called football fast. You might not have a guy that's actually fast, uh, but they're football fast. So that's because their instincts let them get a step ahead of somebody else. And that's what Hufanga appears to be right now, a guy that's showing football fast and football speed. So he's getting there ahead of it. He's having himself one heck of a training camp. I mean, he looks really good. He's battling in one-on-ones. He's competing. It is not normal for him to get beat. And then when he's out there in 11-on-11s, in, in I mean, he's right where he should be almost every single time. He's barking out instructions. Hufanga looks really good. Moore is looking good, too. Uh, this is a good situation for the 49ers to be in, where they have two guys that could obviously start. Uh, so that's that's good. We were wondering who was going to step up. Could that could someone step up opposite of Jimmy Ward? And if they could, we knew the 49ers defense could take a healthy step forward. And what we're finding out is we have two guys right now. So we'll see how it plays out through the rest of training camp and the preseason. We'll see if one of these guys step up and you know elevate themselves ab above the other. I think Hufanga right now is in position to start, but I think Tarverius Moore is playing himself into getting extra reps. So you're probably going to see a split in reps the same way we saw between Tart and Hufanga last year. Casillo says, who do you see as a slot receiver? Nervous about McLeod performing and staying healthy. Doesn't seem as if Jennings or Gray have stood out. So I think you're going to see a combination of different guys playing in the slot. Uh, all the way from Debo Samuel. I think Debo Samuel is going to spend some time in there. Brian and Ayuk, they're going to move guys around. You're going to see George Kittle. But I think in certain situations, you're going to see uh, you know, either, any of those guys, depending on what matchups Kyle Shanahan likes. You know, If he's going to get a, a matchup on a, maybe a slower linebacker or a slower safety, that might be a good opportunity for him to go ahead and use a Ray Ray McLeod who's quick at direction and change of direction. If he's wanting to go ahead and have somebody go up the seam, uh, to influence a single high safety or maybe take the top off. You can see Ray Ray McLeod, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Danny Gray in those situations. And then maybe you want just to convert on a first down. Here's Jawan Jennings. He can make those plays over the middle. So having guys with different skill sets and being able to use them in a variety of different plays with different sets and personnel groupings is what Kyle Shanahan wants. And now he's got the freedom to do so. So there's not going to be pressure on any one of them to be the third receiver per se. It's just pressure when it's their when it's their number called for them to go make a play. And Kyle's going to be able to kind of rotate all these guys through and also be able to give Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel time to get a little bit of rest so that way they're not going out there and consistently getting you know all the reps because they have three guys behind them and those three guys that are backups. 
that can go out there and get it done at times. And we could see Jennings playing on the outside or Ray Ray. They've been doing that already. And then it was just two days ago that Danny Gray had probably his best performance as an NFL player in training camp where he made a lot of really big plays, whether they were down the field or over the middle. Um, so let's see. Uh, Ant or Jess, do you have some flex fit hats as well? You know what? I don't think we do right now, Jay Ellie, but I can definitely go on there. Uh, I'll go on there and see if there's a flex, a flex fit option. If there is, I'll go ahead and, and get one of those for you and, and put it up. So that way you have flex, flex fit options as well. Uh, I am kind of restricted by certain things. So I don't know if I've gotten into that, but I will look for EJ Ellie for sure. Traffic says preseason should actually be good. Watch for the Niners. Our roster's kind of stacked, so we should have players fighting it out, trying to earn a spot on the 49ers. Yeah, Traffic's, you're on point with this because it's going to be exciting watching some of the guys that are potentially bubble players. It's going to be difficult. I mean, if you're the seventh, eighth, or ninth offensive lineman, you've got to do everything you can to make the team. And all the while, we're talking about a running back fight that's going to be impressive too because you don't want to move on from Trey Sermon or TDP as third-round picks. So who are you going to move on from? Jeff Wilson Jr., an incumbent that you feel really comfortable with in a lot of situations. To Michael Hasty, who's been your third down back. Or Jordan Mason, who's been impressive so far in training camp. It's going to be a lot of big decisions for the 49ers. So you're going to see a lot of really good reps from a lot of players at training camp or hearing about them from people like me at from what they're doing at training camp. Now you'll actually be able to see it on the field. So I'm excited about all that. And what's up, Paul? How's it going? I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to chat. Kali says, Ant, who could be a surprise cut? I think JWJ could be in trouble for some reports I see. Um, there are there are guys, Jeff Wilson Jr. is one of those guys that could be a cut. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he had something hold him back injury-wise. So I, I think that, you know, right now he's a step back. But we haven't seen, you know, anyone just go in and take over a spot other than Elijah Mitchell. He's the one that looks head and shoulders above everyone else. We've seen improvements from Trey Sermon. I know I've been excited about his vision for a week or so now. Uh, I've seen him doing some good things. I think Jordan Mason's made some plays. Uh, so it's going to be tough, but it's always come down to Jordan. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. versus Jamichael Hasty. I think that's one of the battles that needs to be won. The problem for Jeff Wilson Jr., Jamichael Hasty has been catching the ball in the backfield at a high level. This is exactly what happened last year in training camp and then the preseason. Jamichael Hasty had himself an absolutely great camp and good preseason, and then he was able to beat out a Wayne Gallman. Could Jeff Wilson Jr. suffer from that? I don't know. I think what it's going to come down to, though, is all the things that Jeff Wilson Jr. can do. He can run on the interior and outside. He can catch the ball. He can block. Are those going to be enough to, to stave off a Jamichael Hasty and to beat out a young player like Jordan Mason? I think they would like to get Mason to the practice squad, uh, but he's running big and physical, and that could prove to be a little difficult, especially with a team like Seattle You know, losing out on Chris Carson. A, a fit of Jordan Mason to their offense could be nice. Just wonder if Pete Carroll would actually go with an undrafted free agent at that point. He might. Uh, we'll see. Uh, 49ers Faithful Forever says, if Castro Fields does not make the 53, strong odds he's picked up by elsewhere with his athletic profile. I think it is. I think uh, uh, his size, uh, athletic ability, the fact that he was drafted in the sixth round, I think someone might take a shot at him. He would make sense, in, in my opinion, to go up to Seattle the way that they're going back to their, you know, their cover three look with these big, tall, physical uh, cornerbacks, I think he could fit into that mold. They could end up working him into the nickel corner spot. So I think he would be somebody that they would like as they're rebuilding that secondary and rebuilding that defense. Uh, I think Castro Fields could get picked up, but the 49ers have 
just an embarrassment of riches. They have so many really good football players in that secondary. It is just going to happen. They're going to lose some really good players that they would like to get on the practice squad because there's just not enough room for everyone else. There's just so much talent. And that's a good that's good news because they have talent on the top end. They have talent all the way through in the depth. This is the most talented cornerback room that the 49ers have had under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And that's saying a lot. So uh, it's, it's good to see them address that position. And they're going to have guys that are going to be able to go out there and make some plays now. So uh, I'm really excited about that room overall. Uh, let's see. Mr. Corey says, Ant, pick one after a good season between Ebucom and Emmanuel Mosley, seeing both are unrestricted free agents in 2023. I think what it comes down to, I'm just going to continue to look at what the 49ers do consistently, and they usually choose defensive linemen. Now, the one thing that's going to play into this, though, is Drake Jackson. How far along is Drake Jackson going to get during the season? If Drake Jackson is going to be able to start over Samson Ebucom, they might go ahead and move on from Ebucom and go and roll with Drake Jackson, a cheaper option for the next three years. We'll see if that ends up happening. I don't think they want to lose Emmanuel Mosley opposite of Charvarius Ward. I think they'd like to figure something out. But I think they were hoping that Ombre Thomas was going to be able to slide into that role. I think they were hoping that they can move on from both guys in the offseason and save some money. It doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. Ombre Thomas definitely isn't playing up you know, to that level of competition right now. He's still got to develop. Hopefully, he's just a slow starter again, and he's going to get this thing going. But he's had just some real struggles this year. Uh, a lot of these teams are, a lot of these players are taking advantage of him. Uh, basically, every time Brandon Ayuk goes out there, he's getting on him. So it, it's it's a little tough. It's a little tough. So I don't know who I would decide. I think this the way the 49ers normally handle business, they would choose an Ebucom over Mosley unless somebody like Drake Jackson's ready to go. But it's usually D-line over secondary every single time. We'll see if that trend continues. Uh, Paul says, I have Kinlaw getting five and a half sacks and contributing stout run defense. He's going to he's gonna be a great run defender. He's been playing with lower pad level. He's really strong at the point of attack. He's got the quickness to be able to split a double team without just using his physicality, but using his speed, kind of the way that DJ Jones did it a lot of times. So I think that, yeah, Kinlaw is going to be making some plays in the run game. Him and Armstead together should occupy a lot of double teams occupy a lot of offensive linemen that should be able to keep these linebackers clean keeping these guys clean where they can flow uh warner greenlaw and aziz being able to flow freely find the open windows and be able to get downhill and make tackles is what they really want and i think those guys are going to be you know the guys that are going to get it done early uh, you're also going to have some guys that you know behind them that are going to be able to do that too with hassan ridgeway kevin Givens. uh those guys are excited maybe even robert kandiche so I think Kinlaw will have opportunities on early downs to get sacks. I don't think five and a half is a stretch. I think it could be right around that number. And if he comes away with five and a half sacks and is stout against uh, the run, uh, I think everyone will get really excited about Kinlaw and his potential to continue to develop. And then you'll start talk, hearing uh, conversations about the 49ers exercising his fifth-year option and taking advantage of that rookie contract. So Kinlaw coming out with a big year would mean pay huge dividends for this 49ers defense. And I don't think five and a half sacks is too crazy to, to think that he can't reach that. Um, Lou says, what's your view on MM at the lighter weight? Sorry if the previous, no, we haven't discussed uh, Mike McGlinchey, Lou. So that's a really good question. I haven't had any problems with his weight. So he's playing about 10 pounds lighter than last year. We know the big conversation coming from 2020 where he had lost so much weight. 
was him getting back up to 320 because he wasn't able to anchor in the 2020 season. Every time that somebody bull rushed him, he got absolutely pushed back. Well, maybe not every time, but uh, he got pushed back, and that was a real weakness for him. Now it seems like Mike McGlinchey's at a comfortable weight where he believes it's a little bit more in the middle. Uh, and so now he's sitting at 310 pounds. From watching him on film, it doesn't seem to be a problem with him anchoring. It looks like he's been able to do that. His athletic ability is still there, but I think he is knocking off the rust of you know not playing for most of the year. I think Mike McGlinchey's having good reps. They've consistently had him going against Nick Bosa. If you can't get better going against Nick Bosa, you can't get better. So I think they're doing a really good job of working McGlinchey in, slowly increasing his reps, having him work against really good talent. And when Nick Bosa wasn't there, McGlinchey handled business. And I mean, people might fight me on this all they want, but Mike McGlinchey to me is one of the best run blocking offensive linemen in the league. So they definitely need him, you know, to step up and have a really big season. Uh, 49ers Faithful Forever says, if you had to sign one, who would you see? We might only be able to pay one guy with Bosa deal, Aziz, Greenlaw, or McGlinchey. I think that I would probably go with Dre Greenlaw. I want to keep this defense strong. I think there are options at the offensive tackle spot between Jalen Moore, Spencer Burford, or even Colton McKivitz, who's having himself a really good camp. I've liked the way he's looked so far playing left tackle. You could go that way. You could also get someone in the draft. You know, you can get somebody in the first, second, or third round that could step in for McGlinchey. Of course, not first round this year with uh, the Trey Lance pick being with Miami, but uh, you could grab somebody that could take over that right tackle spot in the future. So, I think I would go with Greenlaw. He's the most consistent out of them. Hopefully you're able to keep two of those guys. And then it really becomes a decision. I think at that point you keep whoever you believe is going to play the will linebacker spot between Greenlaw and Aziz because the other players only going to play 35 to 40% of snaps. That's not what you're looking to pay high price for. So I think Greenlaw and McGlinchey would be the ones I would be the most likely to sign if I could sign two. Signing one, I would go to Greenlaw first. Brad Jones says, how are you feeling about the other teams in the NFC West with some of the news coming out that they're camps? And have you also heard about the how the Bears have been? I've heard limited reports about the Bears. As far as the NFC West, I've heard a lot of very negative things about a lot of their players, uh, whether that's the Rams offensive line absolutely struggling, including Note Bloom, the left tackle, having a, a bad camp. Uh, that is something that is going to be uh, interesting to watch because we knew with Whitworth retiring, that was going to be a situation where he could definitely struggle. So I, I think that right now their offensive lines in question, whatever's going on in Arizona, they've got all kinds of stuff, whether it was, it's Hollywood Brown, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, um, Tyler Murray, there's just so much going on there. I think there's some things that need to be figured out. And then there's just a real quarterback issue in Seattle. Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith are missing open receivers standing still in warmups. That can't be good because as much as there are questions about Trey Lance sometimes with uh, his accuracy, I've never seen him just miss someone by four feet or four, uh, you know, four to six feet uh, outside on a guy just standing still on just a straight drop back. I just don't see it. Uh, so I do think there's some things going on, but do I think they're going to figure it out during the preseason? Yeah, I think they will. I think they're going to be good. Uh, so I, I think this is still going to be a tough division, but hey, let's see if the foreigners can get after it. Uh, JLE says, what other center free agents besides Treader would you like to see us go after if Brunskill or Brendel don't get cut? You know what? I haven't really dove into that. I know there's Paradis and there's a couple of guys. Um, none of them really were very exciting to me. As far as centers, it was it's always been J.C. Treader that I was the most excited about on the center market. 
So I didn't really get into those too much. I think it's going to be Brunskill or Brendel. I think one of those guys is going to get that role. So uh, I haven't looked at it. I could get into it and then and then discuss it on a later episode, Jaley, because uh, I'd really have to break down who is scheme fit. And I haven't paid attention to the centers enough to know besides Paradis and Treader who are speed or who are uh, uh, fits in the scheme. And so I wouldn't want to just name guys because just because they're available in the center doesn't mean they fit what the 49ers do. Uh, what's up, David Villa? Hope you're having a good one. Welcome to chat. Everyone's letting you know uh, what's up. So that that's awesome. Donald Johnson says, who thinks Bosa will have a monster year? I can see Bosa still angry over last year. That should help everyone else out. Yeah, Bosa's going to have himself a good year. 49ers Faithful Forever says Bosa with 20 and a half sacks, which would be absolutely tremendous. I think early on in the season, they're going to shift so many offensive players towards Bosa, towards Armstead. I think that's going to make things open up for Samson Ebucom, uh, Charles Aminahue, Javon Kinlaw, whoever's rushing from the other side. And I think in those situations, those guys need to win. We need the players opposite of Armstead and Bosa to win on early, you know, early in games because then you're not going to be able to double and triple team Nick Bosa. You can't double and triple team Nick Bosa. That's when he's going to start getting his numbers. But it's going to come down to those other guys taking advantage and winning on those one-on-one -on -one matchups. So I think at some point, we could see where Bosa starts getting you know, singled up. And if that happens, then that's really when he's going to start making plays. So I, I think he could have a, a monster year, and a lot of that goes to the fact that I think we could have a Samson Ebucom double-digit sack year, maybe you know getting some extra production from like a Kaboko Ture, uh, you know Jordan Willis. All these guys can do it. They've got plenty of talent on the outside, which means as long as they win one-on-one -on -one matchups, Nick Bosa is going to have some opportunities. And I think Armstead's the one that's really going to have himself a big year. Don't be surprised if Armstead's not up there in the All-Pro conversation at the end of the year as long as he's healthy. Doglog says... I'm not as worried as most about the O-line. We have fantastic tackles, and Kyle seems fairly confident with what they have already. Do you agree that this month it'll look the interior offensive line will look different uh, than it does now? It could. I don't know what's going to happen with Spencer Burford. Uh, Spencer Burford coming in there and taking all the first-team reps was definitely a surprise to me. He's come in there, and he's been pretty consistent. He gets better every single day, which is all you can ask of a young player. If you could tell me that Burford was going to get better every day and at some point in the next 30 days, because that's when they're going to you know, eventually strap it up against Chicago, um, that he's going to become fully developed. I, I mean, you got to feel very comfortable with that. Um, but it's all been a lot of it's been about Mike McGlinchey getting healthy with Mike McGlinchey not getting full reps. They've been rolling with Jalen Moore at right tackle. If Mike McGlinchey, you know, works himself more into it. Would they decide to thrust Jalen Moore into the right guard uh, battle? They definitely could. So we might see that uh, all the while we've got a battle at center between Brendel and Brunskill. And if for whatever reason, Brendel was able to win that battle, you would think that Brunskill will be thrust right back into that guard spot. So it, things could definitely change over the next month before we get to Chicago. But right now they're allowing Spencer Burford to go out there and develop. And I think he's getting a lot of really good reps, which is nice. Those are reps that Daniel Brunskill doesn't really need. He's very comfortable, you know, playing, uh, the right guard position. I mean, that's what he did all last year in half of 2020. Uh, Mr. Corey throws out some unrestricted free agents in 2023 with Mosley, Ebucom, Al Shire, Greenlaw, Givens, Jimmy Ward, uh, Moore, which is uh, Tarverius Moore, Jennings, McGlinchey, Aminahue. Yeah, they're going to have a bunch. They have a bunch, and they have a lot of money, too. They're going to have a lot of money to be able to spend. Of course, they're going to use a lot of it on Nick Bosa, which everyone understands. But the way that they've been working out these contracts, 
Next year, they're going to be on a rookie pay scale. Still with Trey Lance. Debo Samuel's contract doesn't go through the roof until 2024. So there's a lot of room for them to be able to bring some of these guys back. Are they going to have hard decisions to make? Absolutely. And you want them to have to make hard decisions. You want them to have to you know, decide who to bring back. I think there are going to be you know, some of these guys that are going to be cheaper than you think. Uh, I do worry about like a Jimmy Ward getting on the open market and getting one last contract. Maybe you know he goes ring chasing or something like that. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna do their best to bring these guys back all the while developing younger talent to be able to take over those spots because you just never know. Uh, you're gonna need guys to step up. You can't afford to pay everyone. So uh, maybe some of the guys you draft and develop not only end up taking those spots, but they end up. Um, you know, even becoming a better football player than the guys you had there right now. Uh, Brad says, apparently the Bears camp has been a disaster. That doesn't surprise me. The one thing I did see about Bears camp, uh, I did not know the Catman was there, um, but apparently he's having himself a pretty good camp overall. So that was interesting overall. Uh, it, Dante Pettis having a good camp. If he's showing out amongst your wide receivers, that can't be a good thing. Well, we'll see if they figure it out. They're under a new regime, of course. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think that those guys, you know, will definitely figure it out. They'll be better when it gets to the end. Um, but they got a, a lot of moving parts and a new coaching staff. So they're figuring out how all these players fit with what they want to do. It's probably going to take them a couple years to be able to compete. Because whenever you have a new coaching staff, you want to start bringing in players that fit your scheme. And a lot of times the holdovers don't exactly fit perfectly. Um, it's not like a situation in 2011 where Jim Harbaugh comes in and did he have every player perfectly? No, but he had a really good amount of guys that fit the system. And then you had, you know, some guys that they grabbed in that draft that fit perfectly like an Alden Smith. And so they took advantage of it, but that's not always the case. You can't always come in like gangbusters when you're a new coach. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Uh, 49ers Faithful Forever says Kobe Bryant is balling out in Seattle, though. And, and Kobe Bryant should. He fits perfectly with what Seattle wants to do on defense right now with their cover three scheme. He's a tall, physical wide receiver uh, who can move. I think Kobe Bryant was a nice pickup for them. I think they've got a lot of young players there. Seattle had a very good draft. Seattle's going to be better in the next couple of years. That's why the 49ers need to keep uh, getting better, keep taking advantage of situations because um, Seattle might be down right now, but they're not going to be out for long. They're going to come back. And as long as Pete Carroll is there and the way that they've orchestrated these teams before, you know they're going to get competitive again. So uh, I think that there's opportunities for the 49ers to beat them this year. I never want to count a team out, um, but I think that they're going to get better and better, Seattle is, because they're they're on their way already developing and going back to what Pete knows best, not relying on a quarterback, but relying on defense in a run game. So that's going to happen here pretty soon. Uh, Mr. Corey says, 49ers are the best team in the NFC West. Rams are top-heavy. The Rams are one of those teams that, as long as they stay healthy, they're in the mix to win every single football game that they're in because they have a lot of really good football players. The problem is they're an injury or two away from having a catastrophic season. I mean, if they lose Matthew Stafford, of course, I mean, you take anyone starting quarterback, right? You have that, that situation. Uh, but also Aaron Donald, that defense changes drastically without Aaron Donald, without Bobby Wagner, without Jalen Ramsey. You lose any one of those guys, and one part of their defense is absolutely suffering. The 49ers, on the other hand, I mean, you wouldn't want it to happen, but if they were to lose an Emmanuel Mosley or Traverius Ward, you have a Jason Wright or an Aubrey Thomas who started last year who could step in and get it done. Uh, there's there's least, uh, less depth on the Rams, so... You're right. There's some situations there um, that is you're going to have to figure out. You know what I mean? And and that's that's one of the ways they went to build it. And when those those players stay healthy and the Rams have had good luck with injuries when they stay healthy, uh, then they can compete and they can make a lot of plays and they're always in on it. Uh, 
49 Faithful says Bosa practically on a contract year, he's going to body people. He's going to have himself a good year. Uh, he didn't have to. He didn't have to come back from injury. He didn't have to rehab. He's been working. He's he looks just physically better than he's ever looked. I've seen him every year, and this year he just looks even more physically fit. He's getting after. He's getting better at camp. The dude is insane. The impact he makes on this 49ers defense is felt right away. As soon as you see him come up, not only does the energy come up from every time he's in the game, but the way that the offense has to respect him. You cannot stop Nick Bosa one-on-one. Uh, you might get him one time, maybe two, uh, but he's going to get you the rest. And out of 10 reps, if he's getting you 8 out of 10, that's not good for everyone else. And what's up, Sir Juju? It's been a while. Welcome. Welcome to chat. Um, WTM says, is Ward the best man cover the 49ers have had in the last 10 seasons? I think he might be. I think that I think he might be. Ward has looked really, really good. Um, I think kept hoping that Jason Vrett in 2021 was going to be a fully healthy, and then I thought he would have been the best cover guy the 49ers had had in that time period. But and what's up, Pemer? How's it going? Um, I think right now you're it's it's Tarverius Ward. Now, can can we get a situation where all three of those guys are playing at a high level? Yeah, but Ward is one of the best corners. Uh, that, that I've seen in training camp in a long time. The guy's fantastic, and I want to see that translate to the field. Uh, but if he plays at the level he's playing at right now through training camp, he's going to be able to help take away guys. So it's just going to change the defense. You're not going to have to give safety help over the top to Javarius Ward. You're going to be able to roll that safety somewhere else or you know, have him cheat in the box with a robber situation and take away the you know, over-the-middle underneath route. Uh, that deep crosser it used to be a problem sometimes for 49ers. It might not be this year, which could create other turnovers. And the fact that, that the processes for the quarterback is going to be sped up because this defensive line is getting after him, that's more opportunities for Traverius Ward and the, the safeties and DBs to have interceptions and make plays. Turnovers would be really huge for this football team. So I do really like Traverius Ward, and I think that's a, a fair comment, W2M. I think that really is. Um Doglog says, do you agree that we can honestly say since the first time in Kyle's tenure that we legitimately have the chance to be the top defense in the league? Yeah, I think this is it. This is the first time. This is the first time. I, we've talked about them maybe being top five, and you've seen them come you know, up there in the top five, but this is one of those ones where it's like, wow, with the way Charverius Ward looked in it, you know, it took us getting, his, getting our eyes on him, but the way that they've been going out there and competing and the way that Emmanuel Mosley's been competing, he's raised his game. Uh, you had question marks, of course. Uh, about you know Talanoa Hufanga, you had question marks about um, you know the nickel corner spot with Darquist and Nard, but uh, those those seem to be getting answered. And as long as they continue to be answered, this could be one of the top ones. And we had a a four ninety nine super chat from forty nine George three six five. What's up? He says, "Hey, Coach Anthony, I'm predicting thirty five hundred total yards and twenty five total tees for Trey Lance's season." Cheers. Okay, first off, thank you so much, forty nine George. And second, that is a realistic thought process when it comes to Trey Lance. 3,500 total yards means he's probably throwing for around 3,000, running for 500 yards, uh, and then 25 total touchdowns allows him, like I was talking about yesterday, for him to get really close to 20 touchdowns passing and 20, you know, maybe five rushing. I think that would be a great year for a Trey Lance, and that would mean that the 49ers probably, you know, won a lot of football games. I love that comment from 49ers George. I, I think that's a good thought process because I see some of the takes sometimes where they talk about Trey Lance getting over 4,500 yards passing and over 30 touchdowns. And I mean, I love it. I would love to see that. Don't get me wrong. I would love for Trey Lance to just go absolutely crazy and have all those numbers. But having realistic expectations for a guy in his first year of starting, uh, 
quarterback is refreshing. And I think 40 yards, George hit it on, you know, right. The nail on the head. That is realistic. Um, I would love that, you know, and, and there's potential for him to have a little bit more than that. We'll see, but I think they can win a lot of football games if they ran the ball good and they played really good defense. So uh, yeah, I, I like that for sure. Uh, Mr. Corey says, and you're correct. Only treaders worth getting signing at trade uh, at center. Billy price is the, uh, and the other suck. Uh, so thanks, Mr. Corey, for going through the list for me. Maybe I don't have to go through it as much as I was going to. Fortnite Faithful Forever says, Ant, what's your starting offensive line come week one? Ooh, oh, Fortnite Faithful Forever is putting me against it. Well, I mean, right away, it's easy, right? Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey are going to be your two tackles. Aaron Banks is going to be left guard. Um, from what I've seen at camp right now, I think Daniel Brunskill is going to be the starting center with Spencer Burford at right guard. And I didn't think that, I mean, I had mentioned before that I thought Burford could potentially start. That was way back before training camp ever started. And even then I had tried to talk myself out of it, coming back and forth about it. I've never been set in stone on it, but that was one of my bold predictions that I made for Spencer Burford. Um, it could actually happen and we'll see. I think the only way that Burford doesn't start at right guard right now from what I've seen is if Daniel Brunskill gets freed up from the center competition and then goes in there and competes at guard. Because I haven't seen enough from Jalen Moore to make me think that he could beat out Spencer Burford at right guard. Uh, Burford's been consistent. Burford's been making plays. He gets better and better every single day. He looks more and more comfortable. He He's one of those guys that looks the part and then goes out and plays the part. So, yeah, I think that would be my five right now. Uh, of course, I want to leave it open because things can definitely change. We could go out there over the weekend. I'm going to be there at, at training camp for sure on Friday and Saturday. Um, and I and I know that, you know, things are going to look up. These guys are going to be in pads. And they're going to be getting after it again. Let's see what happens when uh, Spencer Burford has to line up against some of these great interior defensive linemen. But if he continues to get better every single day like he is, um, sky's the limit for that kid. And and that's a welcome addition to the 49ers. They could have the answers at left guard and right guard through the two last consecutive drafts. That's a really good job for John Lynch in this uh, front office. Uh, it's a really good job. Yeah, he says, is Jimmy Ward going to be a lifetime Niner or is this his last year? I would love to see him be a, a, a lifetime Niner to get his 10th year, uh, to do all the things that you know you want from those players that come from the 49ers and play 10 years in San Francisco. But this is a business. And I don't know if Jimmy Ward's going to go out there and look for a big contract. Last time he took less money to stay in San Francisco, he gave him a discount. I mean, I can't tell Jimmy Ward to do that again. This is his money and this is his livelihood. And he's done a really good job of continuing to become a better player, being able to stay healthy, puts in the work. So, I mean, if somebody offers him two, three, four million more per season and he takes it, I'm not going to hate on Jimmy Ward. Would I love him to be a 49er? Yes. Do I think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan want Jimmy Ward to be a lifetime 49er? Yes. Uh, but we've seen so many players have to, you know, come and go, you know, whether that was somebody like a Frank Gore who no one wanted to see go, you know, it, it happens. Jerry Rice had to go. Uh, they reached that point in their career where, you know, you, you have to let them go. Somebody's willing to pay them for what they did. And you're looking at paying someone for what they're going to do. And that doesn't always match up. So hopefully Jimmy Ward works it out and comes back to the 49ers, gets his 10th year. Uh, maybe we get Jimmy Ward a ring here in the next couple of years. Uh, I think that would be really nice. I, I would like to see this, this group get a, a ring. A lot of these players deserve it. The guys that have been around for a long time, there's not that many. I mean, Jimmy Ward, the longest tenured 49er. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, um, Kelly says, did you see who we worked out some guards today? I did not. I did not see that. So I'm going to have to go and, and check that out and see what guards they worked out and see what that means uh, for the 49ers offensive line. Um, if they want to bolster depth, bolster depth, let them come in and compete. Let's see what happens. 
Um, because, I mean, so far, uh, interior offensive line has still been a question mark, and some of the young players uh, maybe haven't been reaching expectation. I will tell you that, you know, the third-team offensive line at times struggles, but, I mean, that's what you expect because with the, the third-team offensive line, there's a huge fall-off from everyone else. With the third-team defensive line, there's not a huge fall-off. The third-team defensive line is absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah. T. Murr says, I've been saying watch out for Jordan Mason. He's going to beat out Wilson and Hasty." I, he's looked good. Jordan Mason has looked good. Now, his reps in practice haven't increased the way that somebody like Elijah Mitchell did last year. Once Elijah Mitchell had his big practice, some of his reps started increasing. You started seeing more of him. We haven't seen that yet from Jordan Mason. Now, of course, some of his reps are getting, his reps have increased a little bit because Jeff Wilson Jr.'s reps decreased with his injury. But Michael Hasty's still ahead of him. Could Jordan Mason make this roster? Absolutely. The guy's got so many physical traits. He's big. He's imposing. He reads pretty good. He catches the ball great out of the backfield. That's one area. He's fantastic. He runs at a, with a physical nature. I want to see him run against you know preseason, another team where they have to take him to the ground because I want to see how many of these arm tackles right now that the 49ers defense he's breaking, how many of those relate when they can actually go low and take him down. I think that'll give me a really good idea of where Mason is. And maybe we'll see him step up. And then maybe you're right, Peemer. If that is the case, he definitely could go ahead and beat out Wilson and Hasty. And I don't think that Kyle Shannon would care too much if that happened. Because if it did, it means you got another young player that you can count on. You have a longer contract uh, at a cheap rate. So I think that's that would be something they would like. Uh, Doglog says, what's a more likely floor ceiling? 5, 12, 10, 7, 7, 10, 13, and 4. I think it's, I think it's 7, 10, 13, and 4. Uh, for the mere reason, I think this defense is going to be elite. And anytime you have a defense that can keep you in football games, uh, you have a better chance of winning. And uh, with a number one caliber defense, I can't see the team going less than seven and 10. So that's what I'm going to automatically lean towards. I think 13 and four is a, I mean, that's ambitious. That really is ambitious. Uh, but when you have an elite defense like this, as long as the run game can get going at the level that you're expecting, then with a great run game and a defense like that, you would think 13 and four is within reach. Uh, it's going to be difficult because you play a tough, a tough in a tough division and a lot of tough teams. But uh, to me, five and 12 would just be, I mean, that would be terrible. I can't see that. I think seven and 10 makes more sense for the floor. John Paul says, always love Jeff Wilson Jr. However, you think he'll have a tough time making the team. Seems that he lost a little speed. Obviously, I know that depends on Sermon, Hasty, and TDP as well. Jeff Wilson Jr. early in training camp, and luckily I've been out there every day, uh, he was moving back to the speeds that you would remember from 2020 and 2019. Uh, he was out there hustling and really getting it done, and he looked a lot faster than Trey Sermon, TDP, uh, Jordan Mason. He looked a lot faster than all of them. It was basically Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., to Michael Hasty. Those guys were getting the bulk of the reps, and they were working in Sermon, working in TDP, and Jordan Mason, and Mason was getting a limited amount of snaps. After Jeff Wilson Jr. missed practice earlier this week, he hasn't gotten those reps. And when he has gotten the reps, it hasn't been a lot, you know, catch out of the backfield here or there. So I haven't really seen this guy, you know, light it up as far as run full speed again. I'm a little nervous about that. And if he's not back all the way or not able to get back all the way, then yeah, he might not make this roster. So it's something to uh, to watch. I, I love Jeff Wilson Jr. because he does everything with all of his effort. He runs hard. He blocks hard. He catches the ball in the backfield. Like, I mean, he can literally do it all. He's well-rounded. Uh, so you like that kind of depth running back on your team, and he plays with pretty good vision. But right now, you have some guys that are right there with him. And anytime you show you know, that you have some sort of injury, these guys are going to come get you. 
Uh, WTM says, which player can help Bosa the most, Jackson or Kinlaw? I think it would be Jackson. Uh, I think Kinlaw is going to help out Eric Armstead and really help out the linebackers. I think that's where his influence is in the run game. Being able to stop the run on early downs is going to provide opportunities, of course, for Bosa later on. But I think Jackson will eventually. Now, I'm going to say this is like Kinlaw might have more of an impact on Bosa this year. Uh, next year, it would be Jackson because if Jackson can continue to develop and be a formidable option opposite of Bosa, where you can't double and triple team Bosa down the road, that would be more beneficial. But I think early on this year, it would be Kenlaw, especially in the run game. But he's the most beneficial to Fred Warner and this linebacker group keeping people off of them. And Paul says quest for six. I love that. Uh, JLE going with the accurate. Love that as well. Traffic says, I think the way the 49ers handle situations like Jimmy G goes to show why players like Jimmy Ward and are willing to take less money. I think they do know that this organization in front office is going to be entirely transparent with them. Uh, they've they've kept it you know clear every single step of the way with Debo Samuel with Jimmy Garoppolo you know with a lot of these players and you know they've shown and proven that they take care of their own whether that was George Kittle you know Fred Warner being able to work those things out I, I think that they now they've done it with Debo Samuel this just goes to show and whenever you build a track record yeah players are more likely to work with you they're more like likely you know to to go in and maybe take a little bit less to do you a favor and a solid because they know you're going to return the favor in the long run all the while they've built a a kind of group in in a roster uh that works well together and has a good camaraderie um so overall everything's just better and so now you got that attitude where you want to do for your players and you want to do for your team um so we'll see and, and Fortnite faithful says that it was Caleb uh, Benouch, Jordan Mills and Tyree Saint uh, are the three guards that had a workout. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll, Tyree St. Louis. Okay. I'm going to have to look into these guys. I haven't, I haven't watched them too much. Like JLE says, Jordan Mills is a big old vet, but we'll get an idea of how these guys are looking and see which direction the 49ers are planning on moving on from. There are a few players right now that I've already seen maybe aren't NFL caliber at this point in their career. So they could potentially move on from them and bring in a guard for competition. Let's see. Uh, let's see what they do there. And maybe they're thinking about moving somebody else to a different position. Uh, it, that'll be interesting. Uh, but maybe that goes to show that they've figured out their tackle position a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out what that means. At 49 George 365, so conventional wisdom says, don't get hopes up too high. But it's optimism season right now. Loving our chances for a great year as much uh, and a much better start than last year. Exactly. I, I think that's it. You always got to have your tempered expectations. I know I did that as well going into camp, you know, with some of the players and some of the conversations, just like Jordan Mason. I kept my expectations uh, low and even because you don't want to go through those extreme highs with the team and extreme lows because you know you're going to have those ups and downs as the year goes on. As a coach, uh, a coaching staff, as a as a team, you always want to make sure you try to stay even keel throughout. Um, don't let the the wins take you too high and the losses take you too low. Don't get on that roller coaster, but stay right there. And I think that'll really help. Um, Uncle Wayne, and welcome, Uncle Wayne, uh, says, "Will the O line stunt the growth of Trey?" I don't think so. I, I think when it comes down to it, they're going to be able to get this run game going enough, Uncle Wayne. And if they get the run game going enough, that is going to take a lot of pressure off the offensive line because all of the offensive linemen that the 49ers draft are really good in the run game. I mean, they're bullies. They're physical at the point of attack. They have heavy hands. They move people off their spots. Being able to get the run game going early 
will allow them to move the pocket. When they move the pocket, that takes pressure off Mike McGlinchey and Aaron Banks and and Spencer Burford and and even Daniel Brunskill to be conventional to to drop back and and kick slide in conventional uh, pass sets. By doing that and moving the pocket, they're going to make it easier for these guys because it's always easier to block as an offensive lineman when you're moving forward. Getting your weight moving forward, moving people off their spots is what you're trying to do. So I think that is what the key is for Trey's growth. Now, if they start getting down in football games and being behind the eight ball and Trey has to line up and throw the ball 30, 35 times, that's when you're going to worry about the growth of Trey Lance because that's not a good situation for him. They need to be able to play good defense, run the football, and put Trey in good situations where he's converting short third downs and being able to run play action where he can take shots down the field. That's the recipe for success in 2022 for the 49ers. And it seems to be the recipe of success with Kyle Shanahan's offense. So that doesn't change. The things that change with Trey are some of the abilities that he has to complete passes outside the numbers and also the deep vertical plays. You throw in the fact that he can help in the run game by running a lot of read option and being able to freeze edge rushers and not allowing them to get down the line to help. He could create more run lanes for Elijah Mitchell in this running back room, all the while getting a couple of carries himself just to keep defenses honest. But that threat of it is going to be big. And how much of that RPO goes into it, all of a sudden you got a linebacker that's dedicated to Trey Lance. You run a read option. Look, that linebacker com- commits to that run because it's an RPO. And he vo- leaves a void in the defense. Boom, slant pass to Brian Aoka, Debo Samuel. And they're all of a sudden up the seam in a big play. Those are things that Trey's going to afford you to uh, get to. Uh, but he's going to have some time to develop. So I don't think that... The interior offensive line is going to stun his growth as long as they can get the run game going. If not, um, just overall circumstance could stunt his game. Vivian says, I thought the TDP was a bad running back, but in training camp, Jackson is doing great. And TDP and Gray, I think they're making the team, the offense is unstoppable, and the defense is doing very good. Um, The run game has looked pretty good. Now, TDP has probably uh, struggled a little bit more than I think I would have liked to have seen from him. I think he runs with good balance. He has pretty good vision. But right now, we've had some plays, and he could have had a couple of really shining plays. There's one play where they're running a sweep to the left, and he he goes to catch the pitch, and he just takes his eyes off of it because he sees how open the field is there. They sealed the edge. He's going to run. He has an open field. He's going to make a big play, and he drops the football. Uh, Akin to what you've seen from DeMichael Hasty in previous seasons, and those plays are definitely frustrating. So, I think TDP is one of those guys that he's going to continue to grow. Let's see what happens in this next block of practice, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's see what happens with TDP. And then when we get into the the preseason games, I think that's when we're really going to find out who these running backs are and what they're made of. But guys, you know what? I'm against the time. I'm against the clock. I really had a great conversation uh, today. You guys came through with some of the greatest questions. It was awesome. You guys are never let me down. 49ers. Uh, cutback crew is fantastic i had such a good time during this entire episode so thank you guys so much uh for coming through and and doing the things uh that you did i, I had a, a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to even more times uh where we have good conversations so um, i'm not sure i'm going to be able to get a live stream tomorrow i'm going to do my best i'm going to be out in santa clara watching and then i'm actually going to be staying out there so I might not be able to get one. If I can, uh, I'll definitely get it out. But if not, uh, maybe you'll get a video or just tune in on Saturday and I'll cover both days of practice because I will for sure have a live stream on Saturday. So I'm excited about everything. Thanks everyone for coming through. It was a good one. I really enjoyed it and uh, can't wait to catch you guys on 
the next one. So you guys all have a really good Thursday. Enjoy watching the Hall of Fame game. Uh, have a good Friday. And if I can, I'll see you then. But uh, stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way.